State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this special edition episode, we speak with Leon Delabosca, GM Publishing at Your Life Choices, about his professional development and journey and how he thinks publishers will move forward in a post-COVID world. Let's begin. Hi, Leon. How are you? Good, bye. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. We've been on and off connected with each other for a while now, but it's good to finally speak in person. Yeah, it is. It's good to see a, um, a friendly face. I mean, that's what we've been doing for the last 15 months, isn't it? The, the, instead of the face-to-face, this is as good as it gets nowadays, but yeah, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, friendly face as well. For me, I finally had a haircut, so maybe people had a bit of different one as well. Anyways. Just for everyone who doesn't know, Leon's the GM of Your Life Choices. It's a over 60 publisher. They cover everything across the board from news to insights and have a former community. But I'll pass it over to you, Leon. Maybe if you can give a bit more detail about that and how you got into working with Your Life Choices, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, how did I get into publishing for starters, I suppose? Hmm. Way back in when I'm in my early 20s, I was interested in graphic design and I actually approached a publisher, a magazine publisher, a small, small publisher out of Melbourne about graphic design. And, and they said, yeah, come on, we'll do some, come and do some work experience. And I did a couple of weeks of work experience. And the publisher there pulled me aside just before I finished that two weeks and said, not really sure graphic design's in your future, but I definitely see you becoming a publisher. And that's, that was kind of the spark that lit the fire. I then went on to work with with this business uh, under this under this publisher who was a brilliant, brilliant guy. Him and his wife, both fantastic people, took me under their wing and taught me everything from publishing. We were back. This is back in the days of print, of course. So, you know, learning how to work with film and and overseas printers as well. We did all the production, all of the photography everything in-house. So I learned photographic assisting. I learned darkroom techniques. I learned everything in the one place. Could not have had, I mean, if I had have gone to university, I wouldn't have had, I don't reckon, a third of what I learned in the five years that I had at Abstract Publishing. So that was my grounding. I worked my way up from production, you know, work, work experience to production assistant, production manager, through to editor, and then eventually deputy publisher there. And then we were bought out by Hardy Grant. We moved from that small operation into that sort of more corporate structure, which admittedly didn't appeal to me as much as the smaller structure. I liked having that small team. Everyone's very accountable, accessible. You can decide something in the morning and by the end of the day, you can have acted on it. A little bit less bureaucracy, I suppose you could say. Um, But Hardy Grant was a great experience as well. I, I worked under Sandy Grant and Fiona Hardy, both brilliant minds in the publishing, both book publishing and magazine publishing and custom publishing worlds. Mm -hmm. And then after a stint there, I did, um, I went off and did my own publication, Uh, went went and freelanced and I created my own, um, like a coupon advertising paper for very local in different postcodes around the Mornington Peninsula. So I did that for quite a few years and kept working the freelance thing uh, back in back to my graphic design route. So I, you know, used my publishing experience and created sort of like a, a a small creative agency, I suppose you could say. And then your life choices, that's getting into your life choices. 
I decided after a little while I was getting quite handy at the writing side, the copywriting and the and the finding those good catchy sort of titles and and finding those sort of I suppose you'd say triggers for for getting people to buy, convert, and buy through my own paper, my own coupon advertising gig, and I sort of went back to university late in life, my mid-30s, and learned professional writing and editing. And I did. I was doing really well there. The teachers at RMIT were fantastic. Like I just had some of the... Just, I've just been really lucky to have really great minds mentoring me all, you know, all the way along. So, but, you know, and it's not all luck. It comes from persistence as well, as you would know. You, know, you 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 decide what you want to do and you and you go for it and good things will come mostly to people who sort of have that mindset. Uh, Your life choices picked me up. They they were advertising for a content manager at the time, and they had the publisher, the original or well, the publisher of Your Life Choices then had contacts at RMIT. Yeah, and RMIT suggested me. I had good grades and pushed me to Your Life Choices, and I learned. Again, I had the editor at Your Life Choices. She was a fantastic woman. And the publisher as well. She's, you know, as far as retirement goes, there are very few greater minds in Australia, I think, about retirement, retirement income. Yeah. So I've been, yeah, Your Life Choices. And, and again, it was that, that same story. Worked my way out from the bottom. Learned, learned all the departments. You know, I learned the little things and, you know, became accomplished in all those little things that build the whole, the big picture. And Your Life Choices was bought by a, another a big company, Compare Club, yeah. um, which is, I think, Australia's fastest growing comparison and personal finance business at the moment. Yeah. Take on the big guns of iSelect and Compare the Market, but um, you know, watch out for Compare Club. Uh, great, great group, great organisation. And I've since been promoted to the general manager of publishing. So running the business now and, and like you said, we, we focus on that 50 plus market audience yep. and just, you know, all about empowering and engaging and informing older Australians to really make the most of every decision they make from midlife and beyond. So yeah, that, that's kind of, that's the, the very big nutshell of how I got to your life choices. No, very good progression towards that. I appreciate the background. I want to definitely drill down into the audience part shortly, but what does your day-to-day look like being GM of publishing and how can other people aspire to get to that as well? Like, I think the day-to-day is it's pretty hectic. There's a lot going on. We've, we're a small team, but it's still, you know, three depa- you know, all the departments that you've got to deal with. We work within a much larger group as well, so it's connecting our business to you know how, how our business fits into the group infrastructure, and and also because we're a new acquisition for the group, it's finding the best way for us to to have the most benefit for the group, but also for YLC, your life choices. Sorry, I call it YLC as a standalone venture as well. I mean, getting here, it's it you know the the day to day is check your email <laughs> in the morning. And from that, everything just, just comes. I mean, my calendar is, uh, it's just, there's very little white space. It's challenging. It's enjoyable. It's also, um, you know, it's, it's stressful 
at times. It's you, you, you're balancing books. You, you, you sometimes I spend weeks at a time with my head in spreadsheets. My my joy is in writing and working with the editor Janelle Ward, who's just a again one of those unsung heroes of of retirement. Um, Janelle is fantastic. We work very closely together. Content strategy and 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 then on the other side, it's the commercial strategy. So it's just that. You know, I try and sort of segregate my days. So a day will be spent on the writing side of things, uh, content writing, uh, copywriting, content marketing, and then there'll be a day of you know admin and, and working with the with the team on the content strategy, making thing, making sure things are running on the editorial side and the content side and workflows and checking in with all of the department heads. And then, you know, I try and separate, have a day for meetings. So I, I sort of try and do it. I, I'm, I try and be very specific about my days rather than it being a bit of writing in the morning, meetings in the middle of the day, admin in the afternoon, whatever it is. I sort of try and do it, block my days. Yep. And then, you know, my, my Fridays are basically catching up and getting ready to start all over again on, on the Monday. So, yeah, the publisher is a very challenging role. And I think, you, you know, you just, you just have to have that commercial, commercial brain and you have to have that editorial brain and hopefully somewhere in the middle you, you, you're nailing it on the, um, you know, balancing editorial integrity with commercial opportunities. Yeah, for sure. With your life choices, you know, you spoke about the niche being over 50s. When you look at it on first glance at the website, it seems like you cover general news as well and stuff like that. How have you guys been able to build up the audience to be very engaged because you are covering sort of general news as well? Because sometimes people get the perception that because you're niche, you only have to write about a specific topic, right? Which might perceive the limited opportunity around it. But you guys have gone more segmented by the audience and age group. So how are we able to niche down effectively that way? I think with our audience in particular, you're talking about a niche audience, yes, over 50s. And then again, you're breaking that down into there. There are niches within that that niche. You know, you've got that 50 to 65 audience, which is pre-retirement, retirement planning, still working, still have debt, still you know have kids at home in some instances. Yeah. And then you've got that 65 plus, which is for many, for most, that retired or or working part time. You're talking about investing the retirement income and living in retirement. Obviously, health's a very big part of retirement as well. So, and then you've also then got that third phase of retirement, which is that planning for aged care, estate planning. You know, health becomes more more important. Look, our our core focus, yes, is the is the is the age group, but it's the retirement income part of that, and I think. One of the perceptions of retirement over over time has been the retirement village. People think retirement old, you know, frail. You know, some people will say burden on the economy, um, burden on the health system. It's just so couldn't be further from the truth nowadays. Once upon a time, maybe you know, forty years ago, but Australians are living longer. They're living healthier. They've got more money. They're yeah. active. They're engaged. Look. I think when you talk about a niche audience and dealing with general news and all sorts of stuff, what we know our audience and we know them because we ask them, we survey them regularly. We know we run surveys to our 270,000 members 
we get, you know, seven and a half thousand responses, which is more than nationally representative. And we ask them the questions. We theme our surveys around well-being, around retirement insights. So asking them about, you know, their, their lives at their age and their state and their life, sorry, their life stage, consumer attitudes, attitudes towards travel, health, everything. We're able to write that general news and that niche content, which is that essential information around retirement income, government entitlements, retirement planning, et cetera, et cetera. Because we know our audience, we can find that general news and we can angle it and, and, and we use our own research and our own data to make general news relevant to our audience. And that we do that with general news. We do that with our partners, with the content that we produce for our partners. We offer that information to our partners so that they can produce content that's more relevant to our audience. That's our strength. Our strength is knowing the audience. And, and I, I would put my money on the table that we know our audience better than anyone in the market in Australia. So when you say partners as well, is that brand partners where you give them content or they sort of sponsored content for you guys? How is the monetization model like primarily with, you, with, with the niche audience? So, I mean, our, our revenue model is direct sales and direct advertising. So content partnerships, display advertising and things like that. You know, content is king for us. Lead generation is another facet of our business that we, 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 um, we offer to our, our commercial partners. And we do that by activating our, you know, our internal resources within the Compare Club group. We've got a, an amazing digital marketing team based in Sydney and digital marketing brains in Brisbane as well. Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, we're located. Yeah. And we're very lucky that we are a small team with the resources of a much larger, much larger business. So yeah, it's direct sales and advertising, lead generation. And we also obviously do programmatic advertising and remnant revenue. So, and cost per click, cost per lead, uh, cost per lead. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's our revenue model, basically. It's content. Content is what sells us. And obviously the content drives the numbers, drives the people to our site, drives the eyeballs onto the display advertising. And that's, that's where we make our money. I appreciate the transparency on that. Like, have you seen any changes? I mean, I know before we started talking that there was obviously the COVID bump that everyone experienced in the particular first months of the pandemic. Have you seen any of that interaction or the monetization strategy change in the past 15 months or... What are your thoughts around the overall sort of progression of how things have happened during COVID and now? I think with us specifically, I can't talk for everyone, I can only talk for us. Yeah. When COVID sort of hit, we had that captive audience, especially our audience, uh, and as I was saying before, who were hungry for information about a virus that there was very little information about at the start that was seemingly targeting them. I mean, you remember the narrative of COVID taking out older people. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, our, 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 we had a we 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 started from a, a single daily send, and last year I implemented a second send to cope with the, you know, with giving with delivering information about COVID, breaking news daily, and we've continued that today. So we've gone from being a, a single send each day to a twice daily uh, e newsletter send. We send about twelve articles a day out to our audience. So, you know, page views and, and engagement metrics were quite high at the start. 
Obviously, over time, COVID fatigue's kicked in. You can't be running COVID stories every day as much as they are relevant. Um, and we will only sort of run the more relevant stuff nowadays. Nowadays, it's all about the vaccine. It's all about right now, it's about borders reopening and, and getting out of lockdowns along the eastern, uh, the east coast. It's about, you know, in the next couple of weeks, it'll all be about when can we travel and where can we travel. What COVID's done is it's made one side of our site quite successful and, and, and the numbers have been great and we've got great audience, you know, metrics and, and lots of eyeballs on our site. Where we have sort of taken a hit with COVID is that direct sales, I suppose you'd say, revenue stream. A lot of businesses we would talk to and, you know, for 12-month campaigns are sort of talking about, you know, that they've, they've got reduced confidence as well because they don't know how to spend not all businesses, of course. Some businesses are, are, are fine regardless of the pandemic situation. Yeah. But it's been um, it's been more challenging, I think, with the direct sales side of things. You know, travel travel revenue dried up altogether. That's coming back. We're looking at that coming back now. Um, so I think that's that's kind of how COVID's affected us. Like like I said, one side of the business couldn't be healthier. Our numbers are fantastic. Our engagements through the roof. We've certainly got a lot of uh, you know daily active users and, and an engaged audience. Now we've just got to get the um, you know the the, ad, the 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 partners back in front of them so that they can benefit from that as well. Did you just rely on was working mostly well during that time, or did you try to find other ways of looking at the downside of direct sales as well and trying to find other ways of pivoting, or how did you deal with that? Yeah, we we would sort of we were sort of more, I suppose, prior to COVID, the the straight content display kind of revenue model when it came to direct sales. We had to pivot. We had to, like everyone, we had to sort of find a way to mitigate those losses. And we and that's where we turned to, you know, we identified the resources within the group and said, okay, we can use this, we can, we can go to businesses who needed sales, they needed leads. And we, we activated those lead generation mechanisms. And, you know, we've done quite well with that. It's, it's something that's been very well received by our partners. And, it, you know, it, it's opened up our commercial offerings as well. So silver linings. Obviously, it sounds like your members and audience hasn't negatively responded to that. It's been receptive. But how do you make sure that you do be, be to be your lead generation without compromising the value that you're trying to give to to your audience as well. I think there's uh, so there's the lead, there's there are sort of different lead generation models that we use, and they vary between content, you know, direct content lead gen, yeah. uh, play lead gen, but then also that social and SEM kind of model as well. So, as far as our members go, yeah, look, I think. We give them, it's a, we, Your Life Choices is a free service. We're, we're providing information that's highly relevant to their life stage daily, twice daily, and, on, and a couple on weekends as well. We do a dedicated travel send on the Saturday and a, and a weekend themed, like a more lifestyle themed send on the Sunday where we have regular columnists and contributors and sort of more of that lifestyle, you know, retirement lifestyle, not, uh, you, you know, content that's relevant to 50 plus 
audience that's it's things like how to's and those sorts of tips the the lighter side of retirement and 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 living you know in your midlife and beyond for sure because we provide that value we're very honest and we say look you know we we want to bring this to you as a free service but every now and then we have to put some commercial you know emails in front of you and some commercial um, content in front of you and we work we work very closely with our partners to make sure that you know, nine times out of 10, that whilst it is a commercial or a sponsored content piece, that it is still a value, that it's not, that it's, a, that it's still an awareness or an education piece with the aim of conversion, the ultimate aim of conversion. And, and obviously sometimes too, we'll push that heavy conversion piece as well. But it's having that, it's always providing that value. Yeah. And sure, it, some people get a bit annoyed at it, but you know, you look at our numbers and, and, and there's always someone that the commercial content is going to appeal to. And at the end of the day, it's a free service. And if they don't want to open it, <laughs> they don't have to. It's, yeah, they don't have to. Exactly. That's fair enough. And I guess the, the fact that you're being transparent and you're letting them know what they're going to get in return of accessing that content is, and the transparency is key. You don't want to deceive. It's like, we live in an age of clickbait and sure, as a digital publisher, you run a fine line. Uh, you want people to open your, your articles. You want people to read your content. You want people to open the, um, the commercial, the sponsored content as well. Yeah. Ultimately, we don't deceive our members. We inspire, we inform, we, we empower them. So whether it's sponsored content or whether it's straight up editorial, the aim at the end of the day is to have them walk away a little wiser or, or, or with more information to make a better life choice, hence the masthead. Absolutely. How does the role of the forum and the games section come on your website? I guess I've seen quite often that that's, that's a good area where you can get more engagement, I guess, and sense of community. But how has that played a role with you guys particularly? Yeah, the games are very popular. So much so that we actually, we've built some of our own games. Um, we right. built a, 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 a trivia and the crossword and a, a Sudoku as well. So, you know, there are games that are exclusive to, to Your Life Choices on the Your Life Choices website. There are also those favourite games that, uh, you know, the Lovitz games as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, look, the games are very popular and people don't just come and play one game. They don't just do one crossword. They'll do three or four crosswords. They'll do all of the trivia. So yes, the games are very popular with our members. And again, you know, it's it's something that we give to them for, for nothing. And they're good quality, and they're they're engaging, and they're relevant as well. Um, the forums, the forums are there. It's an interesting place to be. I learned so much about our audience. My first task, beyond just being the content manager, the content yeah producer was to was to take over the forum like manage the forums and I was set the task of doubling the page views on the forums and I did that by engaging with the members and you learn I, le I learned so much about our audience and you know you know you can you can look at numbers until you your eyes water and they can tell you a story but if you're engaging with these people and you're responding to their questions and their queries and you watch the conversations that they have with each other, this comes back to what I was saying before, is we know our audience. You, if I can give you one tip, you know, any publisher one tip, 
you know, I, I'm probably not saying anything they don't know. Just know your audience. You can never know enough about your audience. And that's what the forums are for us. They're a great place. We source content from the forums. We, we often use quotes from the forums that add colour to our content that we're writing, aside from the forums. We can seed the forums with questions with the intention of down the track going, we want to write a piece about this. Let's get some, let's hear what the real life Australians are saying about these issues, you know, political, health issues, money issues. The forums are a great place. And, and you know, and the members themselves can put whatever they want on there and they can, you know, manage their own threads and everything. It's a, it's a good place to be. What's the, at what stage should publishers consider those type of mechanisms? Like, is there something that, um, if they're on a similar model as you guys, that it should be more in the earlier phase and have the forum section set up and try to build their audience that way or and their games? Or is that something that maybe you can forward once you address the direct content needs of your audience? Like, where do you feel like that stage of the audience life cycle that you think is the best to target that? Yeah, look, I think the forums are a great place to start. Again, if you want to learn your audience and you don't want to do surveys and you don't want to sort of do that market research, that's where you can do your market research. I mean. Essentially, you could you could treat your forums as a as a focus group, I suppose, you know, and and build build your knowledge of your audience through the forums. I mean, you're giving people something they want. If you can give them games, you can give them a place to. People want to be heard, you know. Yeah. Thing and you know, like we are a voice of retirement. Essentially, we we give people a, a soapbox from which to spruik their cause or you know their feelings or ask for help or ask for advice or give advice. Um, you know, the forums are a great place to start. It's where you'll find out what they want to know. And then that's where you can, you know, from there you can go off and source the news that's relevant to them or information from, you know, other sources and, and, and bring it in, you know, make it relevant to your audience and, and just sort of build it up that way. I mean, yeah. I mean, in terms of resourcing versus on forums, like forum that you need that community management, you need the whole sort of little resourcing and team around that. And then you also want to, there's also juggling parties with publishing the news. I know that the potential can, can go hand in hand, but how about in terms of resourcing and balancing out your team and structuring your team? How, yeah. how can you execute that effectively? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky because the forums are based unto itself. And also too, having said that, knowing the audience, the forum members are, uh, you could almost um, call them, whilst there's a, a huge overlap between the forum members and the website content readers, yep. the forum is where they'll comment. They won't necessarily, people who comment on the, um, the, the content on the website won't necessarily comment in the forums. And the people who comment in the forums don't necessarily comment on the, um, the websites. But there are people who just stick to the forums. They read the content, but they just, they interact in the forums. And there are people who interact on the content. So that's something else you learn about your audience too. Look, there are products out there today that, you, you know, yeah, you, you, you need oversight, but there are some pretty savvy products out there that help you moderate and, and filter forums. So, you know, whilst I, I think our staff, I encourage all of our writers to, if they post something on the meeting place, to interact with the members on the meeting place. So it's not just one person, it's, it's all of us. It's, it's, it's a share of voice. On yeah. the, you know, coming back to what you're saying before, you can, you can create news stories from the forums as well. So if you're doing it right, you know, you, you might have uh, content writers pulled off, 
like researching content and working on the forum, but essentially they could be researching content from the forums and, and finding really good article ideas and angles. They can then go off and read and, and, and the forum members are sort of doing their job for them. Absolutely. I mean, I guess from what it sounds like, it's coming down to having a really good tech stack to manage the common arduous tasks that maybe a common community manager might be needing to experience, uh, to manage in terms of moderation or mining insights and stuff and sort of using that as a way to feed into the news and the content side. And that's something that we're, you know, we're continually investigating is streamlining processes and workflows to free up brains to produce more quality content rather than be stuck in that sort of with the more mundane day-to-day tasks, which AI could essentially handle for us. You know, I'm a big believer in automation where it's possible. And I have to be, we've got a small team and, you know, I've already told you how much content we produce daily and weekly. That's a lot of content for a very small team of six of us. So, you know, and that, and that that's involved in content and production admin. So, and we punch well above our weight when it comes to output. So streamlining processes and, and following processes and, and as much automation as we can get is, is very important for the success of our business. And, and like I said, we're always looking at streamlining more. We're, we're, we're investigating those sorts of things at the moment because technology is, is insane. Like, you know, you look at what WordPress and workspace and the CRMs as well, like everything's integrating now with the ESPs as well. You know, I mean, I hope to have it at a point where the writers are writing and everything else is taken care of it eventually. <laughs> the yeah. actual, the yeah, you want to just focus on what matters the most, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, newsletter production, everything's sort of taken care of by automation. Is there any, anything particularly you can share with us that you're investigating at the moment on that side or? Oh, we're actually, well, we, we're working with WordPress at the moment and we're looking at um, new uh, email service providers that, that work in very well with WordPress and CRMs as well. So um, Braze, you know, we work with Campaign Monitor at the moment, yeah. which is, what do I say? Campaign Monitor is very good value for, for money. Yeah. But I think, you know, there, there's a point where, you know, you want to go that, that next level on the automation and the tracking and the, and the campaign management and audience identification. Um, I think there are a lot of other products out there that do that admirably, but you know, you get what you pay for. Or even tie more native advertising into your emails. Is that something that you guys are considering as well or? We do. It's, I mean, we run native advertising in the e-newsletters as well, as well as, you know, programmatic as well. I think that's something that we were sort of looking at a little bit more of nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it's again, you know, if you're automating revenue streams, that's just as important as automating workflows. Yeah. I think that's where working with a fantastic outfit at the moment, which you may have heard of, Linkby. Uh, yeah. I can't remember his last name off the top of my head, who started, founded Pedestrian. Yes, yes. Content um, platform. It's fantastic. You know, these are all the little levers you can pull to, to increase your revenue or add revenue to your business. And that's what we're doing. Awesome. Awesome. What's exciting you the most at the moment in terms of what you guys are working on and the, just the general direction of the business? 
I think what's exciting me most at the moment is the fact that I think content marketing is, if it's not already, it's going to be the big thing over the next couple of years. I think the ad clutter, the, 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 just the pure clutter that's out there is wearing thin on a lot of people. You know, it's providing, like I said, and coming back to what I said earlier, you can use content is, you know, you're always giving, if, as long, so long as you're always giving someone something of value, something that they can walk away from if they don't want to buy now or purchase now, but it's something that they're thinking about down the track or they think, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. You know, I think what I'm excited about content marketing and, and the way that content should be embraced by business to build audiences from the top of the funnel all the way down. I think you know, we, we've always been a big believer in email as a main traffic driver. And I think I'm excited about working with, um, you know, working on, on having that sort of side of the business streamlined and, and, and just being able to get really granular and learn more about our audience and, and their habits through that medium as well. Look, I think every, every week Google's doing something fabulous and also something annoying. With the, with the algorithm changes and things, yeah. Um, I, I think digital publishing itself is just it's a it's a fascinating um, it's a fascinating beast to be uh, to to play with, and you know it's finding those little niches and finding those little cracks. And I think look, the over fifties market is massively under appreciated. I think you know, everyone wants to uh, market to millennials. The over 50s own 50 percent of the nation's wealth and forty two percent of their disposable income, right? And it's twenty five percent of the population. Yeah, absolutely. It's only going to increase over time, like you said. So, and it's only going to it's only going to get older. That's right. So I'm excited at how how well we know our audience and how that audience is just expanding. It's, Something like seven hundred thousand retirees every year, new retirees every year. Yeah, uh, that's that's it's it's a great place. It's, it's a great space to be playing with, and it's a great space to promote to commercial partners as well. Is there any concerns, or like you said, like Google sometimes does a happy dance, and in your words, um, they they change things that which might hinder hinder you guys or annoy you guys? But is there any concerns that you have, or things that you're apprehensive about that you want to? really address like that that would help you it whether it might be competition or it might be just like regulation or anything else that might be impacting you how, how you serve your audience i think you know we were again recently vindicated by our choice of traffic drivers which is email when the facebook and um with the facebook and google palaver last year you know facebook blocking all news media outlets and things like that I mean, we use Facebook for, for what Facebook is, and that's a, an online community, a social community. Yep. We brand our community, but we don't expect it to be a massive driver of traffic to our site because we also know Facebook doesn't like that. Yep. Um, Google, look, I mean, Google's, Google, like I said, I love, I love Google. I think they're great. Um, you know, they've done, well, I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today without, let's face it. But at the same time, it's pretty scary having that you know, that one, one beast sort of controlling everything. 
I think the the third party cookie thing that's happening is it's got everyone on their toes, but you know there are smart ways to manage that, and we're already doing that. I think at our end, algorithm changes are frustrating, but essentially, you know, we're driving traffic to our site from our email. So uh, it's you know they 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 push a new algorithm, we react, adapt, and um, and and sort of get it back eventually until they push the next one. Yeah, I think, look, I mean, I suppose the main concern is just how, you know, programmatic is, is, is running at the moment. It's sort of, I find, I think it's, it's a lazy out for a lot of media buyers. It's that scatter approach. It's throwing a whole, you know, it's dropping a whole bunch of flyers from a plane over a population where, whereas, you know, we can put the, the, the flyer straight into the relevant inbox. And I think, you know, that's sort of scary. I think the way that media buyers and, and marketers view our audience in particular. Yeah. But so just, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, it's our job to educate them, I suppose, isn't it? It's to change that perception of our audience and, and make them, make them realize that they're valuable and, pretty lucrative too would it be also emphasizing around more private markets partnerships or sort of relationships with individual advertisers more is that from what it sounds like email uh, building a direct audience is 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 key would that also apply with a lot of your media buyers and advertisers as well or do you still think that technology would be able to eventually overcome some of the things that you're saying i think I mean, technology is one thing. You still have to have the brains to operate it. Yeah. I think, again, it comes down to our conversations with direct partners really boils down to, yes, the numbers, absolutely. And we've got strong numbers and strong numbers are a great selling point. But ultimately, it's the knowledge of the audience and the ability to create messaging that converts. And that's, you know, that's what I think you know, having that direct relationship and working directly with businesses and businesses working directly with us, that's the advantage of that. It's, it's, it's the CTRs. It's, the, it's not the, the vanity metrics. It's the CTRs. It's the conversion rates. It's the RPL. It's, it's, that's, that's what you get from working with a business who knows their audience and knows their business. Nice. Awesome. Well, let's look ahead and hopefully a more brighter picture ahead. Now that you guys are more embedded within Compare Club, what are some of the plans with your life choices on Compare Club and what are some of the plans you're looking at towards 2022? Well, Compare Club is, you know, right now is undergoing a pretty hefty um, brand integration program and it's, it's working really well, bringing everything into that one umbrella, that one brand. Yeah. And it's been very challenging this last, especially doing it over the last 12 months. But um, we're really seeing some good, solid early results from that. Your Life Choices, as part of the Compare Club group, is a, a you know, it's a niche community that, you know, we, we, we harvest our own subscribers through our own methods and means. But also, it's something that we can offer to Compare Club members as well. It's that, keeping people who come in through the, the digital marketing channels, it's keeping them engaged. It's giving them something for nothing, regardless of whether they purchase a product from Compare Club or not. Yeah. We're all in it for the same reason, and that is to help people make better decisions 
with their money, maximise their income and maximise the value that they're getting for their spend, for their dollar. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's that perfect synergy between Compare Club and Your Life Choices is we focus on that for the 50-plus audience and they want that for everyone. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting because we're, we're both sort of going through, a, I suppose, what you call a transformative process and we're still learning a lot from each other every day. And at the end of every month and at the end of every, every week and every month, we're all a little bit wiser and we're all a little bit better at what we do for our respective businesses. And ultimately, we're giving the public a much better product overall. Will your life choice still remain separate for the foreseeable future? Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 our, we're our own uh, entity within the Compare Club group. Yeah. Um, and yes, for the foreseeable future, we will continue to... I mean, it's important for us and it's important for the group as well that we have an independent voice. And that when we promote on behalf of partners that we're, we're trusted and it's, you know, we, we choose who we work with as well. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we believe in the pre- people we promote and the businesses we promote. We believe in the Compare Club products that we promote. Absolutely stand behind them. It's important as a publisher, we're a digital publisher, we're not a digital marketer, you know. And our business is gaining trust, retaining trust, yeah. and, and I suppose in a way leveraging that trust as well. You know, the, the brand integrity is really important. So, yeah, we, we will remain independent as much as we are a part of the group, and we are. And like I said, when we work with the group and we promote the group's products, we absolutely stand behind them. So there's no real clash of interests there and, you know, you know, ultimately, we're all working towards the same goal, which is, like I said, empowering Australians to make better decisions with their money and their lives. Yeah, I guess just to be transparent, the underlying reason why I asked that as well is because obviously we're seeing a big phase of merger and acquisitions with the publishing and consolidation that's happening. So some people might want to consolidate because they want to strengthen their brand positioning. I guess there's other brands like out there as well that want to create a network or group of sites, like you said, just to have their own positioning. So I guess obviously yours is more the latter. So it, ma- it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Club talks to that 50 and 60 plus audience as well with their own messaging. And I mean, the reason that they're interested in us in the first place is because we used to, you know, we used to produce, produce that content for them when they were an advertiser on our site. Yeah. And it's like the old, is it the old Gillette out of coming? It was like they liked the company so much they bought it. They recognised that we were we were great at, at promoting and, and and delivering messages to that audience, and you know, and that's why we are where we are now. Awesome. Any final words or any advice for any other professionals out there in terms of how to better focus on their core audience or the fifty plus market? I think again, it all comes down to the little things. It's knowing your audience. Yeah. Everything stems from that. It's, you know, knowing your audience and then learning, learning how to craft titles, how to have, you know, create effective subject lines, how to push the borders on spam filters so that you're getting, you know, maximum cut through without annoying the spam, <laughs> the spam filters, I suppose you could say. It's, you know, you, you learn your audience, you find their triggers, you find their pain points, you find 
what they need and you give it to them. And, and I think, you know, that's as much a message for a publisher as it is for someone who wants to be a publisher. You know, learn your audience, learn the business you want to work for, find what they need and give it to them. You know, I think my story in particular is, you know, come in and come up and learn all of the little things. Once you've learned, once you've learned all those little things, keep learning. You just, I mean, my, I suppose my mantra is, you know, never stop learning. And I can't remember, it's like an old Zen proverb or whatever. And it's like, uh, as soon as you declare yourself a master, you stop, you stop learning anything. And, and then once you stop learning, that's when you are, you know, what, what's the point? You think you know everything. You just, just keep learning. There's so much out there. And, you know, in our... someone better than you as well. There's always someone better than you as well. Exactly. In our business, it's all going to change tomorrow. You know, a, a computer, a one-year-old computer is already old. It's like, <laughs> it's something new. Software, you know, the, the platforms that we use, they're all changing. Google's algorithms are changing. You can always be better. Absolutely. And with that, Leon, thank you so much for your time and joining us on our podcast. Really appreciate it. No problems. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.